You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. It is here. Training camps are open. All teams have reported as we record, and it is just good to be a football fan. We want to get to our guest right at the top. Let's go ahead and welcome from the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, all Sunbelt first-team defensive lineman, C.J. Brewer. C.J., how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Fall camp is right around the corner, right? Are you are you ready for it? Oh, yes, sir, man. I'm more than ready. You know, I've been going at it with the guys all off season. You know, also training with my trainer back home, and I'm more than ready. I can't can't wait to put the pads back on. How does the team look this year? I mean, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people that are going to say Coastal Carolina was lucky last year. And it's a one year wonder. Can they repeat again? How does the team look? Oh, yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're more than ready. All the older guys coming in with the right mindset and, even you know, even the younger guys, guys just got here. You know what I'm saying? We're just trying to lead the way older guys-wise and just, you know what I'm saying, keep everybody working. Like you said, you know what I'm saying? We understand we had a good year last year, but we're not really worried about that. That's in the past. We're just building and just trying our best to get 1% better in some aspect each and every day. All right, CJ. We did some research, and we found out that you've got a nickname, an interesting nickname. It's Mead Hook. Where did you get that nickname? Give us the inside story. Oh, yes, sir. Actually, that was I was a freshman. Um, my cousin was a senior, his senior year, and that's actually what they called him. So they kind of just started calling me Meat Hook Jr. Uh, like my freshman and sophomore year of high school. So that's really where it came from, just my older cousin and just being with him all the time. We was going to work out some things. I thought maybe you've got like a mean hook, you know, like you're a really good boxer when you were back in high school. <laughs> Oh, no, no, sir. It's just the name they called my cousin. So they just kind of started calling me that because they knew we was always together. So speaking of nicknames, let's get it clear right now because a lot of people around the country still don't know. CJ, what is a Chanticleer? A Chanticleer is the bird. You know, we kind of consider it as the, the king of the jungle or whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? We're going to come in and just take what's ours and everything. <laughs> All right, very good. What's your favorite football moment? Let's say, let's take you back a little bit. Before you got the Coastal, what would have been your favorite football moment and why? Um, My favorite football moment, I would probably say my junior year of high school. We played our rival high school, and I ended, I finished the game with 24 tackles. 24 tackles? Were you a linebacker yeah, back played, in the day? Yeah, I played linebacker. I did not play D-line until I got to college. I was right. going to say, did anybody else make a tackle that game? <laughs> yeah, they made some, but yeah, just I guess I was just blessed that day, but blessed in general, and I just had a great, I just had a great game that week, that game that Friday night. What were you back in high school? Were you like two ten, two fifteen? Oh no, I was two fifty five, two fifty five, two sixty. My senior year at middle linebacker, and I finished the season with I think one hundred and thirty three tackles. You were the same weight as some of those old school NFL middle linebackers, right? Back in the oh, day, yeah, like those yeah, three, yeah, four was, uh, inside linebackers, right? Oh yeah, yes sir. Yeah, I was one of them true middle linebackers. Ain't nothing coming through there, and I'm moving sideline to sideline. 
What positions did you play in high school besides linebacker? Did you go both ways? Um, yeah, I went both ways. Actually, I played every special team besides kickoff. I went to a smaller high school, so, you know, yeah, you got to do everything. And then I um, played offensive guard and middle linebacker. Interesting combination. So you were an offensive lineman and a linebacker. Were you recruited as a defensive lineman? Yeah, almost every school uh, recruited me as uh, as it was telling me I was going to move to play you know defensive line, either DN or three tech inside. So I was like, yeah, that you know what I'm saying that was fine with me. I knew once I got to college, I was going to put more weight on and everything. So that was fine. How did that switch eventually happen at Coastal Carolina? Did they switch you there right away during your freshman year? Oh, yeah, it was like as soon as I got here, like, you know what I'm saying, once I committed and everything, I already knew I was going to be playing D-line. So, like, as soon as I got here, I was already on the D-line depth chart. On the depth chart, I had the um, D-tackle and everything. So, I just had to put on weight and everything, and, every, you know, it was fine from there. Last year, you guys went 11-1. and The lone loss was against Liberty in the bowl game in overtime. That was a really fun season. I don't think many people expected Coastal to – to do what they did, especially during the COVID year, how special and fun was it? Just tell us, just being a part of those celebrations in the locker rooms. You guys were having fun and going crazy. Oh, yeah, yes, sir, man. It was a blessing just to be, you know what I'm saying, be in that spot. And I guess you can consider the spotlight of last year. And it really just goes back to all the hard work that we've been putting in in the past years. You know what I'm saying? Over the past few years, you know, we had injuries that um really hurt us the year before last and to be honest if it wasn't for those injuries we would have had an, we would have had a good year maybe not 11 in one year but it would have been a, you know say another good year like I said just go back to all the guys just working working our butts off year in and year out you know we knew it coming up to the new conference you know the new level it was going to be hard at first cuz you know what I'm saying we weathered the storms all the guys that stayed we just kept working our butts off like I said it was unbelievable like we said we all just blessed to be um to be here to be what we um to do what we did last year and the celebrations man it was just fun just seeing the smile on everyone's face that was just the main reason like you know what I'm saying we're trying to go out kick butt win the ball game so we can excuse me so we can come in and just you know what I'm saying have that great celebration each week you know what I'm saying it's just crazy the way it kind of hit, hit the media over the past years and man it was a blessing just to just keep working and just keep building and just seeing how far we done brought this program along what do you think was the biggest reason for the turnaround last season the main turnaround, I say, just everybody buying in, and then also Coach Chatwell bringing in his staff and just changing the culture here. The culture here, so like I say, it just it was the whole nine. Everybody just coming together and just believing, and like I said, Chatwell bringing his, him and his guys just helping us believe that we you know we can do it, we can compete at this level. I say everybody was just playing for each other. It was a great season, CJ. Not just for the team, but for you individually. Uh, six and a half sacks, eleven tackles for loss. You were all Sun Belt. Uh, you graduated. What made you want to come back and play this season? So, yeah, I graduated and everything. The main thing, I just felt like I could take advantage of this extra year, that w- which you know, which is going to help me in the future with my, you know, w- w- with me getting to the NFL. So I just feel like you know, I'm just come back again, take care of my body once again, and just go out there and just you know, most importantly, just have fun and just ball. And I feel like you know, it's just going to help me with my draft stock and everything coming into this year. All right. Now, uh, the COVID season, obviously, there was a lot of adaptability, a lot of, you know, a lot of changes were happening on the fly. And you guys are preparing for Liberty in the middle of the season. And all of a sudden, the game gets canceled. And the next thing you know, you're playing BYU that weekend. What was that like? I mean, changing game plans on the fly. It was crazy. I'm going to be honest. It was it was crazy. Like, 
we got to practice that Wednesday and we get back in the locker room. I know my phone is going stupid. So I'm like, man, what's going on? And that's when we found everybody figuring out that um, Malik um, Willis, you know, he had COVID. So we kind of already knew that they was not going to come here and play us without him. You know, they, they just had no idea they was not going to do that. So, you know, we was like, oh, okay. So, you know, we like, dang, so game council, you know, who are we going to play? And we realized they was trying to schedule BYU and other teams. And we told our coach, like, hey, we want BYU. You know, we want the best of, you know what I'm saying, what we can play. So we can let everybody know that, you know what I'm saying, we are legit and everything. So, you know, so like I said, it was just crazy. Get it set up. I know we woke up that Thursday morning, and that's when it was official. So, like, as soon as we seen it was official, I know me and Teddy Gallagher, we test all the defensive guys. We was like, hey, get up to the film room now. If you're, if you're not in class, you know, if you don't have no class or anything or study hall, get to the film room now. Let's get in here these next few days and just, you know what I'm saying, bust our butt because, you know, the hard work was pretty much over after the Wednesday practice and everything. So, like I said, man, it was just crazy just trying to get all the guys up. We went crazy getting all the guys up here. Everybody wanted to come. So, we just really got in the film room Thursday and Friday and had, you know, like two little walk-through practices to get everybody's minds going, you know, to switch over everything. So, like I said, man, it was, it was crazy. But at the end of the day, you know, we came out on top. It just shows the work that we had to put in to get there. But like I said, it was just a mess. It was a blessing to be able to get those guys come down here and play some ball against them and win. Now, obviously, you know, defensive lineman, you're rushing the passer all game. What were your impressions of Zach Wilson that day? Oh, um, you know, he, he get my respect. He's an unbelievable athlete. He has an arm on him. You know what I'm saying? I understand why he went, why he was a second all over pick. You know what I'm saying? We just feel like we was a better team. And we just came out and we brought it to him like no other team did. You know what I'm saying? Just watching film, we could tell the teams was not really getting to him like that. We told our D.C. and our coaches just put it on our backs on the D-line and, you know, let us go get him, man. We, that's what we did. But like I said, overall, you know, you know, he's a great athlete, great quarterback. You know, we, I hope the best for him. You know what I'm saying? I always want everybody to, you know what I'm saying, do what they can do and go live their dreams. So, like I said, I'm happy for him. But, you know, at the end of the day, we beat him. It's great to say that we be a second pick in the draft quarterback. So, like I said, it's just it's a blessing. Would you say he's the best you played against? Um, Quarterback-wise? Sure. He's up there. I mean, I guess you got to say he was the second overall pick in the draft. <laughs> so, yeah, he's up there. I mean, I'm I'm going to go with my guy, Grayson McCall, just going to get him in practice and everything. You know what I'm saying? He can throw it and everything. Just To me, just as good. But, um, yeah, he, he he's one of the top guys that we faced quarterback-wise over my years here. How is Malik Willis uh, from Liberty? What type of player is he? Oh. A little bit different than Zach. Was it uh, yeah. tough to defend him? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, most definitely. It was tough. Like you said, just, just not seeing a quarterback like him, you know, like Malik um, over the year, over this past year, it was a little different. He's a good quarterback, too, the way he can run the ball and everything. So, yeah, it was it was different playing against him. But, you know, I give him his props, too. You know, of course, they beat us. But, you know what I'm saying, yeah, I, I give him his props, too. He's legit. I wanted to ask you this question before we move off from Zach Wilson and BYU. Before halftime, Zach Wilson threw it up. It was an inter- interception, and then once your secondary guy was, you know, taking the ball back, the defensive lineman, your teammate, Jeffrey Gunner, went after Zach Wilson. I um, mean, you know, yes, sir. he pushed him a couple of times. I mean, what did that feel like? I mean, what was what was the response on the sideline by your teammates in the locker room? Obviously, that play garnered a lot of attention on ESPN and on other yeah. shows out there. Yeah, I mean, if you ask us, Jeffrey Gunder, he did the right thing. We all, you always talk to block the the intent, which is the whoever the ball is going to, and then you know the, all the skill position quarterbacks, running backs, and everything else. And that was just the closest guy to him and Teddy Gallagher. So, and to, if you ask me, there was nothing wrong with it. It was a legal block. You see, there was no flags or nothing thrown. 
I guess everybody was just mad because it was Zach Wilson. But in our eyes, we don't care who it is. You know what I'm saying? If you win the game, you're going to get blocked. It, it is what it is. I guess people upset too. You know, I, I guess you kind of say they kind of punished him too much. But, hey, everything, if it, as long as it's legal between the lines, it's fine. It was fine with us. And everybody was like, hey, you know, good job. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not our fault. That I guess you consider he couldn't really get up at the time because he had guys blocking him. But hey, I was, I told you, hey, good job. If it happened, do it again. You know, we got your back. So, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Well, nobody harassed him the way you guys did. It got under his skin a little bit, especially in the first half. Oh yes, sir. Most definitely. Like I said, we just we could tell on film a lot of guys did not get to him to get him rattled. So that was our that was just that's that's what that was our game plan. Where we was gonna get to him and just keep our hands on him to you know get him out of his comfort zone because that's quarterback. You know what I'm saying? They don't like being out their comfort zone. So that was our game plan. Well, not really our game plan. That was just a D line thing. It was like we are gonna do what we do. We are gonna get to him and put your hands on him, get around him, get in his face. Like you, like I said, to get him uncomfortable. And you know what I'm saying? We felt like we did a great job of that pretty much the entire, pretty much the whole game. And like I said, we just came out on top. No flag, no foul, right? Yes, sir. You're right about that. <laughs> you mentioned Coach Chadwell earlier. He won, he was the AP coach of the year last year. I don't know if many people realize that, beat out the likes of Nick Saban and some of the others. What has he meant to your career, CJ? And then furthermore, to the school in general? He's meant a lot to us, you know, the team in general. Like I said, with just the way he came in, and at first, you know, a lot of people did not see eye to eye with him. You know, what I'm saying I didn't at first, also, but you know, what I'm saying over the years, our grew, and I could tell that, you know, he was actually, you know, he's actually a great guy. He was coming to change the program around to, you know, to what it could be. So, like I said, you know, it was just a blessing to get him here. Shout out to Coach Mo for um, making that hire with him bringing his staff in. I feel like this staff is has been a blessing to me and a lot of my other guys that you know stayed through the struggle and the hard times here. And I said, you know, the school love him. Like I said, you know, like like I always say, he changed the program around for the better. And, you know what I'm saying, we're hoping we can keep him here for, I guess, you know, as long as possible. Because, you know, I, I know with this staff, everything is going to be in good hands here at the beach and that we all gone. So, like I said, it just been, it's been a blessing for me and for all the other guys and, the, you know, the community and everything. Why didn't you guys get along with him at first? Was he just a tough, hard-nosed coach? Uh, I, I guess you can say that. Just the, the way I guess you know, just you know, sometimes you used to one thing, you're not used to the other. So I guess you kind of said, you know, the way he came in. But like I said, it was for the better and everything, which you know, what I'm saying uh, you can tell now the way the, pro, the way our program is um, heading. So like I said, you know, we thank him for that coming in, changing the mindset of us and everybody that's you know, saying that's tagged in with the program. Tough love, CJ. It always works out in the end, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> now, I noticed during the course of your career, I mean, you've had a stat line where you, you've carried the ball once a couple of years ago. Last year, you had a TD catch. Normally, don't see that for a defensive lineman. But in the play against Kansas, can you kind of give us the play call and kind of walk through what you did to get open and eventually score? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, you know, we, we had a few, a few different calls in that week for me. You know, one, I think like the first play I had to kick out on the um, defensive end or the outside linebacker. And then the next play, I just kind of, you know, act like I was about to kick him out that time. And I kind of just leaped to the flats, not knowing, you know what I'm saying, who was going to take me. Well, I knew who was going to take me. It wouldn't matter if they was going to, I guess you consider respect me or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It just happened. And just, I said, just thank you to the coaches believing in me and trusting me to, you know what I'm saying, to do what I was supposed to do on the first play to block and then to get out there. So like, it was a fun play call and just being able to get on the offensive side of the ball in college and better say, you know what I'm saying, that's something I always remember. I mean, I say I scored on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the defensive players. So, as you know, I say it was, it was a blessing. 
everybody has a go-to pass rush move. What is yours? Um, my go-to pass rush move, I guess you could say my spin move, which is that you know everybody knows that I love the spin move. Well, my go-to my go-to pass rush is going to be my stab club. Try I set everything up off of that with my spin or my bull move and everything else. What have you been working on the most during this off season? Um, yeah, this off season I've been working on the chop club move, and I've also been working on my bull rush move, coming off the ball, you know, being more explosive and everything. CJ, moving into next year, the furthering your career, the NFL looms. How important is it to you? Oh, you know, it's very important. You know, that, that's you know, that's my goal is to get to the league. You know, man, just because you know, I love this sport and just, you know what I'm saying, the way it can change my family life and my life. So, you know what I'm saying, it's just a blessing to be in this spot that I'm in. And I just pray, you know what I'm saying, I can just, I just pray I just keep working, just keep reaching that goal and just keep getting better and better each, each and every day. You know what I'm saying, that little things. I can just keep building, and like I said, just so I can get there, and just so I can be able to just live my dream out. You know, what I'm saying, be able to play in the league, and just you know, what I'm saying, be able to say I'm one of the few that made it out. I guess you made it to the league, and then have the opportunity to change my family life and change and change others' life. So you're still relatively new to the defensive line because you didn't play it in high school. I assume that my next question that I'm going to ask, you're going to bring up a player that probably doesn't even play on the defensive line, and. So my question is, who is your favorite NFL player of all time? Oh, yeah, my favorite NFL player of all time, that would be Ray Lewis. That's who I kind of modeled my game after whenever I, you know what I'm saying, before I started playing football all my years since I've been playing linebacker. Um, just the way he carries himself, the effort he gives in day in and day out, and just the way he loves the game. And that's that's why I wear 52, I'm going to be honest. Um, just because of Ray Lewis in high school, that's what I wanted to be like, you know what I'm saying? That's what I try to model my game like and just, like I said, just have fun and playing ball, and I just love the way he did that. Well, I'm sure he would be proud of you when you got 24 tackles during your high school game. <laughs> yes, sir. Who are some of the guys that you admire right now? Who do you like to watch on film? The main guys that I watch defensive line play is Aaron Donald. That's my favorite player now. We're playing the defensive line position. So like, you know what I'm saying, we kind of play similar to each other. I guess you can kind of, people consider us undersized, whatever. But, you know what I'm saying, we still, you know, still make plays and everything. Just the way he goes, it's crazy. Aaron Donald, I watch him a lot, Fletcher Cox, and Queen and Williams. Those are the main three guys that I watch. When you're breaking down the film on the opponent that you're facing that week, what are you paying attention to? What are you looking for as far as tendencies? Oh, I'm going to look at, you know, different formations. You know, saying first, that's usually my... That's one of the things I mean. I focus on just trying to see staying in one back set. He's off. He's off. He's a little bit back from the quarterback. You know, what I'm saying what do they like running here? If the tight end's on the ball and he's across from the um, um, you know, away from the receivers, or if him and the running back, tight end, running back's on the same side of the ball. Look at that. And also, I you know, I look at offensive linemen's feet. How do you know, what I'm saying their feet close, or if this, you know, what I'm saying if it's kind of kicked back. And that's going to tell me a lot of what's going on. But, yeah, those are the main few things that I watch. Like I said, just different formations, knowing what they love to run on this formation, that formation, this down and distance, and just watching offensive linemen's feet in their hands. Who is the toughest offensive lineman that you have faced during your college career on an opposing team? On opposing team, probably Robert Hunt. He played at Lafayette. He played in the league. Him and Kevin Dotson, those two, oh, they were teammates, and we played against them. And those, those were the best two offensive lineman that I face that's not on my team. Well, one is a Dolphin right now, and the other one plays for the Steelers. You, you picked a couple of good ones. Yes, sir. 
Well, speaking of offensive linemen, you always hear stories about how wacky the offensive line room is, how crazy those guys are together. Can we say the same about the defensive line room? Can you share maybe oh, some yeah. unusual aspects of your DL room? Our room is crazy. Like I said, we got like literally every different personality you can think of. Personalities in our defensive line room, like literally everything from different from foreign countries. So in just you know what I'm saying, different areas, different states. We got people from up north. Like I said, people from out the country, people from our coaches from Mississippi. So we have literally people from everywhere, different places. And it's just it's just crazy just being in there and hearing the conversations and stuff we have, just the laughs and stuff. Like, you know, everybody comes from different backgrounds. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's crazy being in there. And Can you give us a quick class. story? Story? Uh, I can't really think of nothing right now. No worries. I mean, even if, if it happened outside, you know, off the field, there's just something that you guys do together that might be a little bit more unusual than most fans would expect. Uh, well, I guess you say on um, one thing we do together is every year we, we try to go paintballing together, a whole unit, just to, I guess, have fun, just be with the guys. And, like, you know, we cook out a lot and everything. So I guess those two things. Your former teammate, Teron Jackson, was drafted by the Eagles in the sixth round. He also went to the Senior Bowl as well. What did you learn from him? Obviously, he was a feared pass rusher at Coastal for a few years. How has he made you a better player? Oh, yeah, that's my dog. That's my best friend here. You know, we, we clicked once we first got here together, really the first day of our um, coming in for the um, orientation and summer days and everything. And mainly just the way he works, the way he approached the game. It's, you know what I'm saying? That's how I started doing everything to him. That's my, it was my roommate. So, you know, we was doing yoga. You know, he started – he had me doing yoga and everything with him at night. Just Like I said, just working on the body and just coming with that mindset every day that, you know what I'm saying, we got to get better. You know what I'm saying? Really no matter what everybody's saying, how good we are, you know what I'm saying, it's all, it was always room for improvements with him. Just just the way he worked and everything. You know, and we, we kind of get – we always was together, and I'll, I'll be teaching him things of the game. And, you know, so he'll teach me different things of just how to work, how to do this and everything. So, you know what I'm saying, it was just a – Group effort of just, you know what I'm saying, us two, us two just pushing each other. You know what I'm saying? We, we literally competed in everything. It didn't matter if it was sacks, TFLs, just getting to the football, and really just everything. So I'm saying it was just, I'm just blessed to have him in my corner. I know he's blessed to have me in his corner and just working each and every day and just getting better. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the offensive line that you face every day in practice, your offensive line. They're on the lighter side. These guys aren't big, but – they seem to get movement, you know, they, they seem to block everyone. What makes this group a successful unit, and how do they challenge you every day in practice? Oh, yeah, them boys are legit. If they're actually the best offensive line that we see all year, not trying to hype them up because they're on my team, I'm being so serious. So I know they're on the shorter side, still around the same size as the guys we go against. You know, like I said, they're shorter. So, you know what I'm saying, we have to work on being lower in practice, which is going to make it easier for us in the game to get on our – offensive linemen and everything. So, like I say, man, those boys work their butt off. They're dogs up front. You know what I'm saying? We love going against them. They tell us to bring it, and we, we tell them to bring it just because we know if practice – we're going to make practice hard so the games will be easier for us. So, like I said, man, it's just them boys work their butt off. You know what I'm saying? They got that chip on their shoulder of just everybody thinking they're just so small that, you know what I'm saying, they don't know what they're doing. Now, if you ask anybody that we play, they'll tell you that them boys, them boys are legit. And you got to bring it all four quarters once you're playing them because if you're not, if you, you don't, you will be on your butt every play. Earlier during our interview, you mentioned your teammate, your quarterback, Grayson McCall. You actually said that you would take him over Zach Wilson. 
you know, he's a young guy. He was a redshirt freshman last year, but nothing seemed to face him. Nothing was too big for him, CJ. It was just how special is this guy? Because I don't think I've ever seen a guy who is as cool of a customer as he is in college football. Oh yeah, most definitely. You know what I'm he just played with he just played with that swagger. That that just come back to show you that just goes back to just the work that you know you guys and everybody else don't see off the field. You know what I'm saying? Like when we just training and he's just working on his craft each and every day. Like I so said, we just love the way he bring it. He also tell the D line to come after him because he know we have the best D line in the conference and everything. So we feel so he feel like if he coming at it like I like I say, you know, the game is gonna be easier when it's time to play. So like I said, man, it's just the work that goes he's put in. He's a special player. Like you said, he just he played calm. He don't really let nothing get to him. You know what I'm saying? That's part of being a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? You really, if any West football, you got to have that short-term memory. He works his butt off, and just that's, you know what I'm saying? That's our boy. He's real cool, and we just like working together and just getting better each and every day. Is he a trash talker for a young guy? Well, he talks. I know what I'm saying? I'm not really out there on the field with him like that. But, you know what I'm saying? I see his head moving. I know in practice he talked he talk to us, so, he, you know, we can bring it to him. But, like I said, you know, overall, he's just a great guy and great quarterback. Let's go outside of football. Was there a moment or an event in your life that's, that's helped shape the person you are today? Um, mainly, I guess you can say just my family, family my mom, my sister. Um, my sister, she actually just graduated with her master's, and my mom has everything right now besides her doctor. So I guess you can just, just the way they their drive, it just forced me to, you know what I'm saying, want to be better in every aspect of life and just seeing the way they go about their things and handle their business. That's just my goal is, you know what I'm saying, just keep doing what I'm doing so I can, you know what I'm saying, be in the same category as them and just accomplishing goals and just, you know what I'm saying, enjoying life. Okay. And what what are the big stories this year in, in college football? I mean, outside of now realignment, it looks like again. But the ability for college students to now make money off of their name, image, and likeness. What are your thoughts on this opportunity? I feel like it's a great opportunity for athletes, you know what I'm saying, with the amount of work that we do, the amount of work that we, you know, money and everything that we bring into the school. I feel like, you know what I'm saying, it's just a great opportunity. For a lot of you know, a lot of athletes, I know certain, you know, some athletes may not get as much as others. So that's the really only downfall. You have a quarterback that's making crazy amount. Maybe you have offensive linemen that may not be making as much, but you know, their job is just as important. So that's the really the only thing that I don't really like about it. But like I say, you know, it's just it's a blessing for all the athletes that that is getting a lot of money just to be able to just you know be in those shoes and just like I say, you know, it's hard getting a job with being in college. And everything, you know, like I say, it's crazy the amount of money that athletes bring in. But you know, what I'm saying for the longest, those guys never, you know, people never really seen that money. I guess you can see it in the facilities and stuff, but not for the athletes. So I say, you know, it's just it's a blessing for all the athletes in the college with the new NIL rules and everything. Have you had any discussions amongst the team, or have you taken any steps to take advantage of any opportunities yet? I have a few things in the making that you know, what I'm, saying? I'm still working on right now. We have meetings called LAF, Life After Football, but one of our meetings was talking about the NIL, and we had people come up, you know, people come talk to us about just making sure that you're reading over the contracts and everything before you sign something. So it's good to be in this spot and having the ability to use our platform and everything. Well, that's great. I uh, you know, wish you the best of luck with, with any of those opportunities. We really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us, tell our listeners how they can Catch up with you on social media. Oh, yeah. What's up, everyone? My name is um, CJ Brewer. You can follow me on Instagram 
Twitter and everything at CJB52. You know what I'm saying? Take a few seconds out your day, please. Listen to this podcast. And just like I said, give me a follow. I'll follow you back and everything. All right. Appreciate it again, CJ. Good luck this season. Yes, sir. Thank you all. All right, gang, that was C.J. Brewer. Let's get into news of the NFL right now. And I know a topic that Alex has just been waiting to talk about, Aaron Rodgers back in the neighborhood. Mr. Rodgers returns to Green Bay, however you want to say it. That was quite a press conference he had yesterday. He tried to pull a power move, and, you know, he tried to dictate the situation to the Green Bay Packers. He basically told them, you know, how unhappy he was. And he mentioned that retirement was on his mind. Eventually, he wanted to move on, was hoping that maybe the Packers would find a trading partner, but it didn't work. At the end of the day, I just think Aaron Rodgers didn't want to end up like Brett Favre because... We all know Rodgers replaced Brett Favre, and the Green Bay Packers showed Favre the door. And then he moved on. You know, he played with the Vikings. He played with the Jets. I think Rodgers just wanted to go to a good enough team. He wanted to, you know, play by his own terms, kind of set up his own destiny a little bit and not be forgotten. And I just think that's the reason why he declared this war with the management with the front office and basically displayed his his unhappiness because I'm sure that's something that has boiled over over the past couple of years. I mean, this isn't something that happened overnight. He mentioned that he wants to be involved more in the decision making. He wants the team to tell him that when they're moving off of some wide receiver, he was really pissed when Randall Cobb moved on. He was pissed when a couple of other wide receivers you know, were released, and he wasn't told about it. He just wants some respect because he's been with this organization for such a long time. He's not a young quarterback. He's a guy that his ultimate goal is to win a championship again. But here you go. I mean, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers get another year, and I'm sure both of them are are hoping that they'll wind up in the Super Bowl this year. Well, not that he was ever going to be forgotten, I suppose, by the fans or you know anybody in Green Bay. But he, everything that he said, any public things that he said over the course of the summer and the spring, and there weren't that many. It was all pretty much you know along the same lines. He just didn't go into as great detail as he did yesterday, which was amazing that he did. I think it was Tom Pelissero from NFL Network just basically, you know, asked a simple question and he went on for about six or seven minutes, which was great. You don't see a lot of players do that. From that perspective, I thought it was refreshing. I don't know that there is any winner or loser in this. I think he just kind of played the offseason the way he wanted to do it. Packers, they, they held their ground. I mean, I don't think they were ever going to do anything. And as has been mentioned many times in the past, I mean, they kind of put this in motion. I mean, they really sped it up when they took Jordan Love and kind of told him about it after the fact or just before or whenever. But again, it just goes a lot to say that, you know, one, he stuck to his guns. They stuck to theirs. I don't know that there is a definitive plan in place. They're going to wait and see. I don't think so. I think this is definitely his last year. I don't know if you saw it, Alex, but 
over the weekend. He and Devontae Adams both posted the same picture of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen on Instagram, kind of uh, alluding back to the last dance. And maybe this is the last dance. Who knows? You know, what's Devontae Adams going to do? I'm sure he can command top dollar on the open market. Uh, does he stay in Green Bay? A lot of question marks out there, but they did bring back Randall Cobb, so maybe that was the Olive Branch, or that was them acknowledging what you know Aaron's feelings were, or what he was expecting from the team. But the bottom line is now is can the rest of the players kind of compartmentalize everything and just say, okay, we're going to focus on what we can control. This is our season. Let's just play like it was going to be any other year. Aaron's going to be the quarterback. Let's just go play. Do you think it's possible for the team to come together collectively and just say, okay, if this is the last ride, let's make it a good one? I think so. I have no doubt about it because the way Aaron Rodgers addressed the media, the way he went into detail on his thought process, and he knew that he had to clear the air. You know, the fans grew tired of him. You know, I'm sure his teammates felt a bit disrespected by the whole situation because he wasn't there. He had to clear the air. I thought he handled himself really well. He showed class, and he went into great detail into why he was frustrated. I'm sure he's going to address his teammates somewhere in the locker room. He's going to stand up and talk to the team. Because he has to do it. I mean, he's the leader of the team. He's the quarterback. And maybe that's not his way of doing it because he's not a a rah-rah type of guy. But the way he handled the press conference makes me think that he's going to get in there and handle and talk to the team behind closed doors as well. Well, he certainly will. And I think he said as much and and he was hoping the whole thing could have been handled you know, behind closed doors. And I think for the most part it was just that, you know, some of the leaks here and there weren't quite uh, above board. He did kind of, I think, roll over the organization, kind of threw him under the bus. Might have backed up a few times too. But uh, but anyway, it's all about respect. Not that he wants to sit in there and make every player decision, but just in certain cases where you got core players and they're ready to make a move, maybe just you know have a conversation with the guy that leads the team and kind of uh, is the draw to Green Bay, so to speak, if you're talking about free agents. So another quarterback in the news and uh, has been for some time in the offseason, Deshaun Watson, showed up to camp to avoid any any sort of uh, fines and so forth. This has just got to be a very uncomfortable situation for everybody. The coaching staff, the team, they all know he doesn't want to be there. But there he is, and he's worked just doing individual stuff, I think he did yesterday. You got to believe a trade is in the offing. I don't know. You're never going to get full value for somebody that is that good. But with legal and league discipline looming, and you don't even know what it's going to be because all these civil suits, you know, you, you we're not going to know anything till I don't know next year, maybe even later than next year. By the time I don't think he's being deposed till after the season. So just a, a weird situation, just watching him on the field, just going through practice. If he's traded, I mean, there's got to be a bunch of teams lined up. What do you think they'd be willing to give? I mean, the price has got to be at an all-time low, right? Well, the draft has come and gone. Right. I mean, you're talking about next year's pick, so yeah, sure. It's weird timing for the Texans. I mean, if they do trade Deshaun Watson, they've got to get a quarterback back. I mean, they have to look at teams that will be willing to possibly part ways with their starting quarterback, maybe some younger starting quarterback. 
I've heard a lot of rumors in the news that a lot of people connected believe that the Philadelphia Eagles will make the play for Deshaun Watson. So that means Jalen Hurts is most likely going to be involved in this trade, along with the picks. It really is hard to say, Lou, like how many selections, I mean, what the picks are going to be, because we don't know the legal situation. Right. And it's really tough. So it's probably not going to be at an all-time high, but it can't be low because the Texans, I mean, they will sit him. They won't play him, but they won't trade him for peanuts, right? I think it's pretty right. clear. You can't. I mean, I don't know what the league rules are. Maybe, you know, maybe we should look into that. You see uh, conditional draft choices, right? I mean, I think the when the uh, Eagles and the Colts traded the, in, in the Wentz deal, and I'm sure there's many other deals that have conditional draft picks where the round can move given a certain amount of playing time. Well, in this case, maybe it's... Uh, the same thing, you know, if he's able to play half of the first year or three quarters of the first year, whatever it happens to be. But I would imagine there's got to be some contingency on those picks. Now, Philadelphia has a ton of draft capital. Miami has a ton of draft capital. I mean, th- those were the teams kind of, you know, being thrown out there, at least in the forefront before you know, the legal issues came when he first made his, I don't think he ever made an announcement, but, you know, it came out that he wanted to be traded, didn't want to play there anymore. Uh, Denver's been talking about quarterbacks. I would imagine the the Raiders would be sniffing around. The, the Redskins can't sell teams. Sure, I don't know that New Orleans has any assets, but, you know, they would probably have to be interested. Would Carolina still be interested? I mean, they didn't make a huge investment in Sam Darnold. Why wouldn't they? They probably were, you know, a few months ago. You could list many teams, but I think, you know, in terms of the assets going back, it looks like Philadelphia and Miami have the best stock, if you would, to trade for Watson. Yeah, it makes sense. I think they have the the two quarterbacks that they could offer because both of the teams have young guys who are going to be starting quarterbacks this year. And this situation just I don't think can be resolved like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I think both the team and the player want to move on. Right. Unfortunately, these you know the outside circumstances are going to dictate. 99% of it, it looks like. So this is going to be a while. I don't know that this is going to happen in the next week or two, uh, or even this off season. Who knows? Another, uh, I guess, a quarterback battle, if you would, in New Orleans is taking a little bit of a, a hit, I guess, because the in- injury to the number one receiver, Michael Thomas, uh, had surgery in, in June. Looks like he's going to probably missed the early part of the season, at very least training camp, and here they are trying to decide which quarterback to go with. Have you given any thought as to, I mean, without Michael Thomas, you have limited receivers. Who's the number one receiver, Traquan Smith? You know, they've got a new tight end, Adam Troutman. He looked like he was good. You know, he's coming on as a player, but, you know, can you really lean on a guy like that? This is going to be a, a kind of a tricky situation to decide who the quarterback is going to be without the number one receiver. I mean, which, you know, the guy that they lean on. So, what, I don't know, have you given any thought to if one or the other has the advantage? I think Winston is going to be the starting quarterback just because I think he gives you a lot more. He's got a stronger arm. He started a lot of games for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He knows this division. I just think Sean Payton has got to roll with him because he's got a better deep ball than Taysom Hill. Hill is going to give you that dual threat ability, but 
You might have, like, special packages for him. You might insert him into the game, like, when it's goal line situations or in the red zone just to surprise the opposing defenses. Maybe you have Winston and Taysom Hill line up at the same time in the backfield and give you that option by, you know, giving handing the ball off to Taysom Hill and he can run with it or he can throw it. But I think Winston gives you more of an opportunity as a traditional quarterback Started a lot of games, has a strong arm. I think he is going to be entrenched as the starter. But the Saints are in trouble, though, because I don't understand why Michael Thomas couldn't handle the surgery a lot sooner, a lot earlier. And I think I saw Sean Payton also uh, vent his frustration in an interview. They let him heal. I guess they felt like he was going to be able to get over it without having surgery on his ankle. But I just don't understand it, to be honest with you. He's the best player. It's pretty clear that they missed him quite a bit last year just because they, they didn't have anyone. I mean, Michael Thomas is their whole offense as far as you know, the passing attack is concerned. And now who do you have? You have Kamara coming out of the backfield. You've got Traquan Smith. You've got Deontay Harris. You've got Adam Troutman. You basically have nobody. I have a feeling Michael Thomas is going to miss at least a couple of months. And the way he struggled with the injury last year, he might miss like half of the season. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge mystery right now. I do agree with you that Jameis Winston should be the starting quarterback there. I believe you know Taysom Hill will continue to in his role that he had when Drew Brees was a starting quarterback. They will have those packages. He will play special teams. They'll have different gadget plays for him. They will line him up at quarterback you know, with Jameis on the field at the same time. So I think from that perspective, if you have him as your starter, you lose a lot of that. I just believe Jameis is going to be the better overall quarterback for them. And having been there now for this kind of year plus, another offseason, I think, you know, he's going to be in a position to excel and really accentuate what he did in Tampa and hopefully lose a lot of his bad habits of just throwing the ball in the traffic. And you would hope that Michael Thomas would have played a big role in that, but that's the fear right now is not having a true number one that... You know, he may revert to some of his old habits. So hopefully for the Saints' sake, that doesn't happen. I just think having Hill in his normal role really expands you know, his influence on the team versus just being the starting quarterback. Yeah, they're going to have to get creative because Sean Payton doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. If he had Drew Brees still, you would think that he would be able to you know, spread the ball around, get it to these guys because he's so accurate. He works through his progressions, but that's not what, you know, Winston and Taysom Hill do. And Michael Thomas would have been a vital part to whoever the starting quarterback would have been, would have been in the lineup, but he's not there. And I just think the Saints defense is going to have to carry the day because the offense is going to struggle quite a bit. Now, another team in the NFC West, I don't know that we we really haven't talked about this a whole lot because I've been consumed with the Aaron Rodgers thing and Deshaun Watson and some of these others, but San Francisco brought back Jimmy Garoppolo. They uh, drafted Trey Lance, number three overall, moved heaven and earth to get to number three to take this kid, yet they're sticking to their guns as far as Jimmy Garoppolo being the starting quarterback right now. Now, I know, you know, you've been a longtime San Francisco 49ers fan, so speak to it as you, the the scout, and then also you, the fan. What do you think is going to happen 
with that whole situation? How soon does Trey get on the field? You know, I was a big proponent of Trey Lance. I just thought he gave you an extra dimension as far as his running ability, as far as all the physical tools that he brought to the table, even though he is a young player. And behind, you know, guys like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, he was clearly the number three quarterback on the board. So I supported this move, and we talked about this on previous shows, but Jimmy G is going to have to be the quarterback. He needs to be the starting quarterback just because he's been with this team. We've got a lot of players back, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Garoppolo is a veteran. And to put Trey Lance out there from day one is way too risky. He didn't play this year. Let him learn the system. Let him sit on the bench. Learn from Jimmy G. And let him take over in 2022. I Fully support that. If the 49ers start losing, if Jimmy G isn't getting those wins, then you insert Trey Lance. But you're going to have to wait a couple of months. I just think you go with the sure thing, and the sure thing is Jimmy G running that offense because he knows it all too well, and then you move off of him next season. I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to do it, okay? I mean, you've seen some quarterbacks, especially lately, come on the field and be able to handle it and and play fairly well. I guess from my perspective is you you've got this, you know, this stallion in the stable. You want to get him out there. That's just going to be that is going to be so difficult again to keep him off the field if Jimmy's just being, you know, if if he's just playing so-so. I mean, now granted his track record says as long as he's healthy, they're going to win games as long as the team is healthy and you would hope that they would not even come close to the injury problems that they've had in the last couple last couple seasons. God, that's just going to be, you know, like a kid in a candy store. You just want to want to see him. The fans want to see him. That is just such a difficult thing to have him sit. Now, obviously, you know, it was a great situation in Kansas City with Mahomes and, and Alex Smith. You hope it's the same way, but that would just be so tempting. I'm not really sure how Reed and company did it, but it uh, looks like Shanahan is going that direction, uh, at least for the time being. We'll see what happens in training camp. But I'll give you the last word on this. I mean, I, I, I know you're pretty pretty staunch in that, but you know, what's, what's your last word? Trey Lance, when do we see him play? In 2022. 2022. Because, you're sticking to it. Yeah, because the only way he gets on the field, in my opinion, is if Jimmy G gets injured, which is a huge possibility based on what we've seen from him in previous years when he's been the starting quarterback. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. So that's the only way that we see Trey Lance on the football field is if he comes in for relief for Jimmy G. But it's Jimmy G's team this season. They drafted Trey Lance for the future, and he's not ready to run that offensive system this year. I think he'll get plenty of action in the preseason, and that that may be it, like you said, unless Jimmy gets hurt. So that's going to do it for us this week. We appreciate you jumping on with us today. Alex, always a pleasure, and we will talk to you next time. Peace!